Episode number 308, Mastering Live Streaming with Brad Zimmerman, Part 1. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to Making Sunday Happen. This is episode number 308 of our podcast. We've had the privilege at 1230 Media to not only serve dozens and dozens of churches around the world with ready-made and custom media content, but also some great ministries come to us for custom graphics and video that in turn push that content out to hundreds and thousands of churches worldwide. It really blows us away. Ministries like Outreach, Answers in Genesis, Awana, Seeds Family Worship, Worship Team TV, Yancey, Doorpost Songs, Tithely, Children's Ministry Deals, the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and more all come to us for custom graphics and video. So chances are the media content in your adult or kids' worship experiences may have been produced by our incredible team And it's really something to see what God is doing. And I'm so proud of our team of content creators at our ministry, guys and girls who have a heart to produce great, high-quality media content at affordable prices for ministry. If we can help you or your ministry, please reach out. Our team is growing, and we would love to take on your projects. Just go to 1230.media slash custom to tell us about your custom media project. That's 1230.media slash custom. Well, today on the show, I welcome Brad Zimmerman. Brad is the creative director at Watermark Church in Grand Haven, Michigan. And we're going to be talking about some in- innovative ways to master your live stream or take your live stream to another level. We're all now doing a live stream or online church. If you're not, you're behind. Uh, point blank. So if you are, it's really time to take a look at how to enhance it if you haven't. So it's time to pour time, money, energy, staff into upping your online worship experience game. So that's what Brad and I are going to talk about this week and next week on the podcast. So we're going to jump right into my conversation with Brad Zimmerman right after this quick break. Check this out. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a really cool conference that I'll be a part of in a few weeks. It's called the Capture Summit. It's for church filmmakers and content creators. It's August 3rd and 4th in Raleigh, North Carolina. And speakers include filmmakers Eric Bramlett, Josh Etheridge, Laura Tapp, Jesse Henning, my friend Brian Blackmore from Church Production Magazine, and more. You can register at CaptureSummit.com. Be sure to get there if you can. If not, be sure to catch the live stream. Again, the website CaptureSummit.com. Here's a quick video with more details. If you're listening to the audio of this podcast, be sure to go to MakingSundayHappen.com to watch the video and learn more or register at CaptureSummit.com. Check this out. I 
Hey guys, today I welcome Brad Zimmerman. Brad is the creative director at Watermark Church in Grand Haven, Michigan. You might know him from churchmediadesign.tv or all those ProPresenter tutorial videos that are uh, sprinkling around uh, online. Brad, welcome in. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me here. Is what I meant to say. <laughs> quite all right, buddy. Uh, man, I noticed that your uh, that your stage is very nicely lit. You are very uh, well positioned and and all that. Way to go. Uh, yeah, thanks. This is where <laughs> I shoot most of the videos for uh, for pro presenters just here on our stage. So yeah. we got the whole pilot wall thing. I know it's tried and everybody hates it and it's over, but it's worked for us. And yeah, we're we're sticking with it. No, it man, makes, it's still, it's makes still it feel in. homey. It's still in. So, so give me a little overview. Obviously, people kind of probably know your face from the all the pro presenter uh, stuff that you've done. But give me an overview of of where you are, where God has put you the last few years. Yeah, I mean, big story. Got started in tech ministry stuff as a teenager because I wanted to hear Jesus Freak played more in youth group, and uh, so I figured if I became the sound guy, I could choose what songs we listened to on repeat. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, got started that way. Uh, moved away and went to school, went to a school in Florida called Full Sail, got a degree in digital media, um, was really blessed with an amazing education and not just from the school, but from the church that I was a part of down there. And as, growing up, I didn't really have a whole ton of people who were helping me learn the things that I was learning. And so I really wanted to share all of what I had learned with other people who didn't have the ability to go to a school like that or volunteer at a church of 11,000. Um, and so I uh, wanted to share all of that. And so in 2008, I started a video podcast uh, when this was when YouTube uh, had limits on how long your content could be. You couldn't have content that was longer than like three or four three or three to five minutes, something like that. And so I was doing long form video content and a video podcast called churchmediadesign.tv where I did tutorials and gave inspiration and um, talked about free resources. Back then there was no such thing as unsplash.com, but there was this amazing website called sxc.hu. I don't know if you remember that one at all, the stock you're exchange. Pulling a, you're pulling it way back. Yeah. Well, this is when I got started. It was yeah. when all of that stuff was popular. So um, anyway, got started in all of that stuff, um, started that show and uh, did all of that at the same time as helping uh, plant a church. And so I uh, was part of a church planning team and was the creative director and have been uh, ever since then, uh, I've done a lot of things along the way, worn a lot of hats. I've been a middle school pastor. I've, uh, I lead worship. I do tech stuff, uh, do, do a lot of those different things. But along the way, um, have been trying to share what I've learned with people um, and uh, share the resources that we create because I think the church is meant to fully fulfill um, what we see in Acts and we're supposed to help each other. And it's not just supposed to be in your local church, but between churches. And so um, I'm helping churches around the world share uh, media with each other so that we can all help people find the good news of Jesus. So with that, <clears throat> you transitioned churchmediadesign.tv to Church Media Drop. So a lot of people might not know that you you run that site. Tell me what your purpose behind that site is. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
there's a lot of different reasons why I started it and where it came from, but really I wanted to give, uh, I had been giving away content on churchmediadesign.tv um, and I didn't have the capacity anymore to be doing, I did 130 some episodes of that show and didn't really have the capacity. I was married, I had kids, I, you know, life had changed and didn't have the capacity to keep up that video podcast and that, that content, but I really wanted to keep sharing and I felt like God had called me to freely share resources. And so I uh, wanted to start it, but I also wanted to start it with this kind of marketplace mindset. You know, I, I really loved uh, the creative market.com. And, um, and so I uh, wanted to create this kind of marketplace and found some plugins and saw that it was possible. And so I opened it up to other churches and wanted to allow, uh, I knew lots of great content was being created in churches. This was uh, in 2006. So it was kind of like the beginning of the big, or 2016, sorry. It was kind of the beginning of uh, all of these huge face gr Facebook groups that were a part of. Um, these were mm -hmm. all kind of getting started at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing all this great content being shared, but it was kind of stuck in the groups. And if you didn't know where it was, it kind of disappeared for forever. And so, um, yeah, just created that marketplace and, uh, you know, we, we vet the material so that, uh, content stays, uh, high quality cause, um, yeah, we want to give our best. So, uh, yeah, now the, the site's reaching hundreds of thousands of churches and um, it's crazy. Uh, every once in a while, I'm going to design a graphic and I'm like, oh, let me search for like church series and then some phrase on Google Images just to like look for some inspiration. And in inevitably, I see a design from church media drop um, in those res results pretty much every single time. So it's pretty crazy to reach. So tell me how we mentioned the pro presenter tutorials. Tell me how you got to be known for that and how that came about for you. Yeah. I mean, that was all church media design.tv stuff. So I was doing uh, tutorials on there about Photoshop and after effects and live streaming and uh, media shout and pro presenter and Brad Weston, uh, the founder of renewed vision uh, reached out and said, Hey, uh, would you be interested in doing our next round of video tutorials for uh, the next version of ProPresenter? And I had my first ever NDA where I couldn't tell people about it. And it was, it was kind of crazy, especially considering that the, the last person to do the video training was a uh, worship leader and CCM artist Steve Fee was the person who did it before me. <laughs> and I was like, I am just a random church guy from a, a small to medium sized church in West Michigan. Nobody knows who I am. Um, so uh, it was a really cool opportunity and I've loved partnering with those guys ever since. So um, I think that was Pro Presenter 5 was the first set of tutorials that I did. And I did Pro 5, Pro 6, PVP 2, Pro 7 now. Um, so yeah, it's been great hanging out with oh. them and being a part of that process. Yeah. So you're on staff at Watermark Church. Uh, yeah. you, you mentioned, uh, you're still the creative director. You've, you've done middle school and other things. What is your, what does your normal week look like now? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, normal. What's yeah, normal? There, there is no normal. There yeah. is no regular week. Every week is so different. Um, I wish I could pull up a, a clip for you to show you, but I just finished uh, recently this uh, right before Christmas, we finished a redesign of a kid's space. So I uh, designed and remodeled a kid's space and 
put in like the uh, facade of a kind of like beachy house into it and uh, did all of that kind of stuff. And so I like helped build and design and create that whole thing. Um, I'm doing regular design work. I'm doing video work. I'm doing tutorials. I'm consulting with churches. So it, it just every week is just a totally different thing for me. So speaking of your consulting, one area that you have talked to churches about and written on is the area of live streaming. <clears throat> and so I love to talk to you more about that today. Uh, obviously, around March of 2020, last year, uh, all churches went digital for a season. We know that. And then kind of slowly made their way back. So as we dive into this topic, I want to take the angle of most of this content you wrote last year. Yeah. Um, but so, so set us up here. Why is this content that we're about to cover? Why is it still relevant today, this year now? Yeah. I mean, the live streaming conversation is, uh, one that's been around for a really long time, but a lot of churches just recently were forced to it. Honestly, there's a lot of churches who are anti live streaming and there's a lot of pastors who were very anti live streaming and didn't understand or see the value in it. And so there's a lot of churches that like dove into it and dove into it head head first and they maybe got some budget money because they needed it to be better and their their church didn't have anything they weren't doing in-person stuff and so they dove in and they maybe got some new gear but a lot of them don't have didn't have the background of like okay I'm going to purposefully step into this I'm going to purposefully learn about all of this stuff it was I'm, you got thrown into the deep end and now you have to do it. And now this has to be a part of your production life when you maybe would have never chosen it, or you were thinking about proposing an idea and a plan and a system in a year or two. Um, and so <clears throat> there's a lot of things and ideas and philosophy that goes behind live streaming that you really, uh, a lot of people kind of skipped over. And uh, probably skip past and just jump to like, we got to get that service live online. We got to be on Facebook. We got to be on YouTube. We got to just make it happen because we got to make it happen. But there's a lot of other parts and pieces to it that I, I think a lot of people have probably missed. So let's dive into some of those. So what are, what are some of the tips and tricks that you were giving to churches uh, last year? What are some maybe types of streams that you were encouraging to, uh, churches to do? Well, uh, so this is more of a philosophy thing. Um, pre the pandemic. So we started, I, I, when, I, when the pandemic hit, we had been live streaming for 11 years. And so uh, live streaming was not something that was new for us. It was not something that was, uh, if I can just share a funny story. So we got started so early in live streaming that I was using these old uh, like free platforms for live streaming. And um, a lot of them were ad supported and that's what made them free. And so one Sunday I got an email from a, a church member who said, Hey, I really love that we're doing the live streaming thing, but there was like a Budweiser girl who walked across the bottom of the screen and like all scantily clad and like had no clothes on basically uh, during the middle of the service. And um, maybe we should find a different <laughs> streaming platform because <laughs> that's not okay. And so, I mean, that's like, that doesn't happen anymore. That doesn't happen with Facebook or YouTube now, but that's how it used to work so that they could support all the bandwidth and the cost to run streaming platforms back in the day on like ustream.tv and places like that. Yeah. Uh, 
And so, uh, so streaming wasn't something super new for us. And one thing that we had decided is we knew we couldn't compete as a small church in West Michigan. We couldn't compete with North, with North Point. We couldn't compete with Life.Church. We couldn't compete with Hillsong. We couldn't compete with any of those churches in the quality of our music, the teachers that were on stage, the level of production. And so we decided from the very beginning that like our live stream is about connecting people to our local faith family. Somebody wants to go find the best teaching content, the best worship content, they're going to go find some other church. But if they want to stay connected to our our local faith family, that's the purpose of our live stream. And so when um, people started streaming for during the pandemic, um, that same kind of conversation comes up of like, what type of stream do you want to do? Do you want to try to have the best sounding, best looking live stream well, you're probably not going to be able to pull it off because do you have the budget and the staff and the experience that all of those churches I mentioned a little while ago have? You probably don't, but you do probably have a faith community that wants to stay connected to you because they like you, they care about you, they're invested into you. And so the way that you do that stream, um, that's that's what you need to take in consideration when you're when you're putting a stream together. So you could do a simulated live stream if you want to get your production up a little bit on a higher quality because then you can go through and edit all of your content. You can make sure that your audio sounds good and all of that, which is really helpful if you've never done live streaming audio. Because uh, one thing that I say to churches all the time is that. Uh, bad audio plus great looking video is a bad video, mm-hmm. but great audio and a crappy cell phone with terrible lighting and all of that kind of stuff is great video. Still, mm-hmm. if you have good audio, it makes for a great video. Yep. And a lot of church live streams sound terrible. They sound terrible. You got out of tune vocalists, you have musicians that don't sound right. The levels jump all over the place. So editing ahead of time and then just doing a simulated stream um, was a really great way for a lot of churches to go. Um, so that's that's one way you could go. But the other way is to like think about like what are you streaming? Because if you're streaming to a, a empty room, then you like that's not a great way to do a live stream. And if you're talking like the room's full, but it's totally empty, it feels totally fake versus having your pastor just get down and talk to the camera and talk to you and and have it be something that's actually personal. That doesn't take a ton of production excellence. That doesn't take, you know, all that other stuff um, to make that happen. And so really thinking about like, what's the purpose? What's the why behind how you're streaming? Um, for us, we wanted to keep our whole faith family connected. And so when we moved and started having in-person gatherings again, we made it a priority to have online connected within person. And so we said, we don't want it to just be that the live stream is the balcony that's just watching in on what's happening in the room. And they're getting kind of the second best. Like we want the people who are at home to be just as connected as the people who are in person, if not more. And so talking straight to the camera, asking questions to people who are online, all of those things are ways that you can help create that live stream that isn't just a balcony experience where I'm just watching what's happening to all the people in the room, but you're actually participating in what's going on there. So um, 
there's a, you can do it simulated. You can do kind of the simple thing. Um, but really the intentionality by behind what you're doing with your live stream is really important. Um, cause anybody could grab some cameras and some audio gear and kind of film an event, but that doesn't really translate to a church community because that just, um, all that does is generate spectators. And I don't think if you asked any pastor at any church, like, do you want a bunch of seat fillers at your church? Do you just want a bunch of people who are just filling the seats? They don't really care about anything. They just listen to it, goes in one ear, out the other. They leave. They don't really do anything with it. Their life isn't changed at all. I don't think any pastor wants that. And when we just film church services and just broadcast it online and just hope that somebody is participating, maybe, and we don't even treat it like they matter that much, all we're getting is viewers. We're just getting those same kind of seat fillers. They're just online instead of in person. And so we want to push past that. We want to, we want to have a different philosophy about why we're doing our stream that doesn't end in the result of a bunch of viewers or seat fillers. So talk to me about the churches who may started, may have started with, we just got to get it on Facebook. Yeah. Tell me how those folks now that they know that live streaming is here to stay, online experience is here to stay, yeah. not going anywhere, you're going to have to have a digital presence. Tell me how those churches can move from 1.0 to 2.0. Sure. So um, there, there's a bunch of different things you can do. So the first one is intentionality. That doesn't take any gear. That doesn't take any expertise or knowledge. But what's the intentionality behind your live stream that I just talked about? And so how are you again, being intentional with the people who are online and connecting with those people. Give me now some for, examples. So for us, um, it looks as little as, uh, as simple as pre-service. You have somebody in the chat. Um, I, I encourage most churches to use the church online platform. Um, it's an awesome free platform that uh, life.church puts out. Um, you can embed YouTube into it. You can embed other free you know, deals, but it gives you chat. It gives you prayer rooms. It gives you Bible. It gives you all sorts of great resources. So beginning of your service, most churches start with music. They usually start with like a decent amount of music, 10 or 15 minutes of it. And then you finally usually have your talking head on stage is a little bit later. So you have a decent amount of time to like figure out who's watching the stream. So go on that chat and say, morning, say hi from wherever you're watching. Find out who all those people are. Go on Facebook and on mobile on Facebook, you can see you're watching with blah, blah, blah. And it will tell you some names of your friends who are watching with you and take all those names down. And then when you walk on stage to do a welcome, say, hey, welcome to everybody in, in the room here and welcome to Jane Doe online and Carl down in Georgia and to Brad in Michigan. We're so grateful to have you guys with us. And what that does is it gives a sense of community that we're all together. It doesn't take that much work. It just takes a little intentionality. The other way that you can do it is through pre-recorded videos. So we have people who uh, from home record videos, reading scripture, and we use that during the worship set. And so instead of a worship leader, just reading a scripture as a transition between two songs, we cut to a video from somebody in their house with their family who are watching at home. And now they're a part of our gatherings. We have people who pray from home. We've actually taken it a step further and we actually have people who are 
are leading worship from home. And so we have musicians and singers who are leading from home with our band live on stage in person. And that gets much more complex and is a lot more technically complicated. But the intentionality of like, how can we get you to participate from home? The other way that we do it is with simple questions. And so we'll throw out questions to the people in room and online and say like, at the beginning, just as a discussion starter of a topic that we're teaching on. So like, what's, uh, you know, what was your uh, spring breaks coming? Is anybody traveling for spring break? Where are you guys heading out to? And then, you know, when I was on spring break and the pastor will start sharing a story and then after it, he'll say, you know, online, I saw that blah, blah, blah is heading to Georgia. That's really cool. Or, or going to Florida and uh, just getting that kind of feedback to help create that atmosphere that we're all together instead of it being this, they talk to the people in the room. They're teaching to the people in the room. They're leading worship to the people in the room. And I'm just watching that happen online. It's just a very different intentionality. So uh, the kind of the three things that I read that you wrote is a simulated stream, simple stream, and basic camera. Um, so, yeah, I think those are gr- good ways that you just mentioned, too, of, of kind of taking it to the next step. So do you have any other maybe advice for, hey, you don't need to just necessarily stream your service balcony version from the back of the room on Facebook from now until eternity. You need to be taking steps to, you know, I get it. You had to do that last year. Right. But now we're in an area where you're going to need this and it's going to stay. So here are the steps, uh, you know, and I think you're right. I think being intentional, um, uh, you know, adding to that um, is, is so important. And kind of what I uh, have been preaching on the podcast is to treat it like a campus uh, of your church. You know, if, if you were to start a new campus, you wouldn't just throw it up. No, no, pour, you wouldn't pour, you know, uh, you yeah. would pour staff there. You would pour volunteers there. Right. You'd be intentional about what the room looks like, what the lobby, everything about that experience, you would be intentional uh, about it. And I believe that the same is true with online is be intentional about what the chat is, be intentional about what the content is sure. showing for that audience. Any other thing? Yeah. There? Yeah. I mean, as far as the technical side goes of ways to increase that, um, cause like you said, there, there needs to be monetary investments that will happen across time. There will need to be staffing investments and volunteer investments. There are volunteer opportunities for online church, um, for live streaming there. Mm-hmm. You need to have a host who is online in the chat all the time, who's interacting, asking for prayer requests, um, prompting questions, trying to get people to interact, um, doing all of those things um, because you want to connect with people, I hope, or else you're just going to have a bunch of pew sitters who are just at home in their pajamas on their couch. Um, and so you need, to, you need to try help have that connection. But as far as the technical side goes outside of that volunteer energy or maybe more monetary energy is you need to, you have to look at, okay, how can we take it from maybe one camera or a couple cameras that we're doing, but how can we bring that quality up? And the, the first thing that you can start with is one thing that you pointed out is lighting. Uh, lighting has nothing to do with, uh, with it. You wouldn't think of it as like, well, we need it. We need a better live stream. Let's buy more cameras, but really we have, we need a better live stream. Let's get better lighting. So if your lighting looks good, any camera, if an iPhone looks great when it's shooting outside with sunlight, an iPhone doesn't look great in crappy lighting indoors. 
And there's a lot of churches that aren't lit well. They don't have a good, uh, a well-lit stage, and it's not lit for video. Lighting for video is very different than lighting for um, in-person. You might do something for in-person that it's like, oh man, we like dimmed the room down. And it looks really great. And it's like for online now, it's all dark and shadowed, and you can't see anything. It doesn't look good anymore. And so you have to prioritize the live stream experience over the in-person experience a lot of times when you're thinking about that. You have to prioritize the broadcast. So spending time with your lighting and getting getting good lights so that um, things look well. And then audio. Um, I would do both of those things before I spent any more energy or any more time on video. I wouldn't add more cameras. I wouldn't add a video switcher until I had good lighting and had good audio. Because then adding cameras, that's easy. You can just keep adding more and more cameras, upgrade your video switcher. But if you add cameras to a, a poorly lit environment that doesn't sound good, it's just going to be a multi-cam video switch of garbage. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to be great. Um, and so the, the audio side of things, there's a lot that you can do. And there could be a podcast series that would last for, for weeks on end about how to make your audio better for live streams. Um, the, the thing that I've learned from all of this um, that's been really helpful is auto-tuning, just to be honest with you. Um, reverb in rooms covers a lot of vocal sins. So somebody can be a little pitchy, but in the room, it still sounds fine because the acoustics in the room cover up the waver and pitch. But when you hear that direct audio piped into your TV set, you hear all of those pitch fluctuations. Yeah. And so we've started auto-tuning all the vocals and it has really, really helped our live stream sound a lot better. Okay. Um, and we don't do it to a place where we're making terrible singers sound good. You know, it's going to make something good sound better. It's not going to make something bad sound great. Um, so you need, still need to have good people on stage, but it does really help to consider that. Um, and as far as like the system of... Uh, how you do all of that. There are a lot of different ways. You don't have to have impressive sound setups to make it possible. Uh, I have a cheap X32, like a ton of churches have. Um, and we use that and do some stuff with the USB out from the board to be able to, to do some auto tuning on a separate computer and do some extra compression and limiting um, to make things sound, sound better. Um, but it doesn't have to be this super expensive thing. You don't have to buy the craziest, biggest board. I will say there's a lot of templates out there for, to make your live stream sound great. Download this template and I'll make your live stream sound great it's not going to make your live stream sound perfect. It's, it might help you, but if you don't know how to use the tool, if you don't understand what the tool is doing for you, it's just a tool like any other tool. I could hand, right. I could hand somebody a uh, Aria Alexa camera and they could make it look terrible. Or I could hand that to a film producer and they could make it look amazing. Um, this is the same thing with a lot of those templates that um, they're not going to, it's not a silver bullet that's just going to make everything perfect for you. So just be uh, careful about those, but you need to spend time learning. Um, I would highly suggest going to the MXU guys and learning about audio from them. Um, they are the best in the business and they are the best in the church world and they care about churches. And so um go and learn from them. It's an investment to be a part of their program, but it's a worthwhile investment that will drastically change how things are. And you'll hear people say, man, that mix sounded so good. And it was so much more engaging. You're removing distractions um, and helping people engage in worship, which is what it's all about. 
One important feature of any presentation software is the stage display. It gives you the ability to show aspects of your presentation to the band and speakers on stage without showing the same thing to your audience. It's a very valuable feature. The first tip I have for you when it comes to your stage display is this. Collaborate with your worship leader and your speakers. Nothing can substitute for this. You and your counterparts on stage must work together ahead of time. You are one team and you have to work as one. So schedule time with your worship leader to know what benefits the band on stage. Do that during the week so that you're not stressed out on Sunday. Do they prefer two lines of lyrics or five lines of lyrics on their confidence monitor? Things like that. Get five or 10 minutes with your speaker sometime during the week. Ask them and yourself questions like, what notes are beneficial for them to see? Do they need a counter? What is your plan to communicate to them if something crashes? What's your, what's your lingo that you're gonna say to them on the stage display? The more you plan these events during the week and the more prepared you and your team are, the less stress is felt on Sunday. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out this week. Next week, I'll welcome Brad back for more as we will wrap our discussion on mastering your live stream. So be here for that. We are on a mission to help churches and ministries make Sunday happen through our ready-made media content, custom graphics and video and training. We want to help you up your game when it comes to reaching people through your weekend worship experiences. That's what we're all about. Be sure to visit our website, 1230.media for more. Or for podcast-related content, you can go to makingsundayhappen.com to get show notes, archive episodes, and more. Plus, while you're there, you'll get access to over 600 articles free. Uh, All those articles on, on every aspect of the worship experience, from worship to pastoring and teaching, production, communications, leadership, and more all at makingsundayhappen.com. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.